You're listening to Stand Out with Ian O'Connell. Wednesday evenings from 8pm here on Radio Kerry. You're very welcome to Stand Out with me, Ian O'Connell. I am delighted to say that my guest today is Rory O'Connor, which you will probably know him better as Rory's Stories. Rory is a comedian who is known for his hilarious sketches on Irish humour, which varies from the typical junior B football player, the Irish Garda and what an Irish mammy is like. It's not all jokes as Rory raises awareness on the importance of mental health and it's something that he is very passionate about. Sit back, throw the feet up and enjoy the show. I know you're going to enjoy this one. Come here, thanks a million for for doing this now today. Yeah, no bother at all, Ian. My pleasure, yeah. Really appreciate it. Um, So I suppose we'll start off the usual. How how are you getting on all through COVID and stuff? All good? Yeah, yeah, good, yeah. Um, I suppose like like everyone, like it's... um, yeah, looking forward to seeing the back. I think we kind of are, like, I just have a feeling that it'll be, got, this is the end of it. I think you can even feel it in people that they know the end is coming now. It's 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 came and a lot of people have had it now and and it's just time to move on, really, isn't it? Like, yeah, yeah. And like, at least it's rare, you know, people aren't as sick with it. You know, it's more like a, a cold from, from the people I, I've been speaking to anyway, they're not as sick. Like, hopefully, hopefully, like you said, even the buzz around people know like it is that we're at the back end of it please god um, yeah, yeah. i suppose most people know you as as rory stories i know myself myself um when i was first introduced to you it was the sketches about the the guard and it was about the the ga and the mother on the sideline and all that um um if you could give people just a a quick background and how on yourself first i suppose where you grew up and yeah, so I am um, I am in Ashburn, uh, born and born and bred in Ashburn in County Meath. Um, still live here to this day. I was lucky enough to buy a house here last year, or was it the year before? Which is you know the way every year, just the last two years have just squashed together. But anyway, about a year ago, I bought a house here in Ashburn. Um, so I, I I'm a townie. Like I, I I grew up in a housing estate and and, and walking distance from town and. Um, and yeah, like pr- proud mead man, uh, big big into the football. Always was like uh, my my dad is an awfully man, and, and my mom is from Westmead, and so to, to be um, a lot of hurling really, like you know, football obviously because awfully in the eighties and that. But uh, my mom's side to be it'd be strong hurling, like um, and uh, yeah, I suppose um, you know, grew up here and and went to school here and and. Uh, Acted the maggot around here and, and stuff like that and um yeah I had a had a good childhood um I I got to experience I suppose both sides because I grew up in a house in the state so I, I I know that end of things and and my all my cousins would be farmers like from the country down and down in the Lee Shoffley border like so I I got to spend summers down there and learned learned uh, about farming so I suppose. It's funny when when you no more than yourself when you go through like various stages of your life like, um, it, for me anyway the, the the upbringing I had was a big advantage to Rory stories because I have a fair idea how people go about their business in the country because I got to you know live in a house and stay myself and that kind of towny <clears throat> excuse me towny vibe and then I got to see how how the cultures will say or the 
the, the farmers or the biffos down in Offaly kind of were. So I had a very good understanding of kind of people's people's way of living. And that's, I suppose, why Rory's stories is successful is because the relatability that people get from it. So they, they watch the various sketches and they can relate to people or scenarios that I do. And that comes from, I suppose, having that wide range of, of people and characters that I, I've, I've grown up with over the years. And I'm definitely looking back now, it was a real platform to be able to, I suppose, take the piss out of Irish culture, you know, and and that. So it definitely was a benefit for me anyway. Yeah, like you said, growing up in a, in a housing estate, I was the same. I grew up and like I, my cousins were farmers as well. A lot of my parents, siblings were farmers and I got to experience that side of of it as well. But I think growing up in a housing estate, especially you, you kind of, you get to learn a lot about life. You know, you see a lot of things growing up and stuff. Um, from Rory's stories, I believe that it start off by writing a blog at the start and that kind of transform into sketches. Yeah, that's exactly it, Ian. So I started with a blog in 2013 um, called Rory's Stories. I rang it, a cousin of mine, uh, Breffney is his name, we'd be close, and I said to him about this blog and we originally was going to be a story from Rory was was what we were going to go at. and then he just said you know Rory stories is kind of easier on the tongue and and that that name was 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 made and um yeah just I suppose people were enjoying the blogs I was writing stories about myself um and like I suppose stories that most people wouldn't share that you might share in a pub with it with a few friends for a laugh but you wouldn't share in public and I'd been through a bit of a tough time myself, so I just kind of felt that I'd nothing to lose. Like, so it's just, you know, I, I might as well, I was useless at most other things in life that I tried to do, so I might as well give the comedy a go because it's something that I always enjoyed doing was kind of make people laugh and having the crack. So I suppose the blog started then in 2013, and that led to a, a Facebook page. Um, I'd no real, like... I I couldn't tell you I was going to do sketches on GA or building sites or guards. It just... And it's a message I, I say to a lot of young people when I do talks is like, you just have to take the first step. Like, you know, you, you, you don't know, you know, everything makes sense when we look back, but everyone's a lot foggier, as you, as you know better than anyone, when, when you're looking forward, it's hard to piece things together. But <clears throat> I, I made one GA sketch uh, back in January 2014 of uh, the, the skit was halftime in the county final. And I just got a friend of mine to stand in the corner with a, with a camera and I, we were training that morning in our club and I said, lads, would you mind hanging back for, for 10 minutes? And they're like, oh, Jesus, Rory, what are you at? Like, you know, you're a lunatic or whatever. And I said, no, lads, just give us a minute. And I just came into the into the uh, room with a silly hat me and me, me uh, socks, um, pulled over my trousers, typical kind of GA man. I just kind of off the cuff went crazy at the lads and I put it up online the, the next day and it got a bit of traction, like, you know, off the likes of the, the Joe.es and Balls.es who were kind of sharing that kind of stuff at the time. And and it, the, the penny just dropped that, Jesus, you know, GEA hasn't really been been touched much. And, um, you know, obviously, Pat Short done a small bit on it and, you know, Dermot Morgan, Father Ted, God rest him, he done a little bit. But no one really went into, into the characters of the GEA and with social media starting to brew at that time, like Facebook was only kind of getting going and that, um, that time, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I just seen it as an opportunity. So I just went hammer and tong making the videos um, every, I'd make three on a Saturday um, and post them out throughout, you know, the week. And, and yeah, people were enjoying them. And I just kept doing it. I, like, I, I'm so, 
I don't think you'd be able to do what I done if you weren't into the GA. You know, yeah, it wouldn't yeah. come across organic because you know, um, I met the Gooch Cooper actually, ironically, in 2014, uh, late into the year when I'd made a lot of sketches, and I met him at an ATM machine in Dublin. And the Gooch said to me, he said, uh, "Are you an actor? Or are you a footballer? Or what are you?" And I says, I, "I'm kind of both." Gooch, I said to him, like, because <laughs> he was trying to figure out how you were able to portray it so accurately and I said well Gooch I'm, I'm, I'm football to the core like you know and and the, the bit of crack just comes with my character and that's kind of how it how it took off and 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 I just yeah one foot in front of the other and and yeah I suppose it, it kind of went went for me and and you know it's in a good place at the minute like and um and like you said there the the first bit really is like you said you say in a lot of talks to, to young people the first bit is taking that first step and I think and I think in a lot of things in a lot of places and things in life even reaching out for help the first <coughs> step can be the hardest and once you've taken that first step I think the rest kind of snowballs into 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 one then um, like you said growing up you were always kind of into comedy and stuff in school now would you have considered yourself as the the class clown because I, I definitely would have I was always in school, I, I'd always been known, I suppose, making jokes and stuff. Like, I think, for me anyway, school, it's either for you or not. And for me, it wasn't. Like, I, I hated at school. In your own case, what were, were you, that joker in school? <clears throat> yeah, yeah, you're definitely talking to your brother, Harry, and that's for sure. <laughs> like, uh, me in school didn't get on at all, at all. Um, yeah, listen, I, I suppose... I was very big for my age in school, like um, a, a fairly like extraordinarily big. I would have been like six foot two in fifth class or six foot two or three in sixth class. I was very, very tall for my age. So I stood out anyway. Um, you know, I, I stood out from the crowd. So when I was in the classroom, even if I was a quiet kind of a chap, I'd still stick out. But I was the opposite. I was the upper and I was the, the messer and, yeah, like, you know, and it's something I'm very passionate about, Ian, is that, like, you know, the education system, like, you know, just doesn't um, allow certain people can, like, ourselves to kind of fulfill the potential because, you know, my potential is what I do now and you can't learn that in a classroom because you're disrupting the rest of the students. So um, I spent a lot of my time out in the hall. Like, you know, I have a lot of good memories from school, but a lot of bad memories as well. A lot of self-doubt kind of came from my early days in school because I struggled with with writing and spelling and that, but um, but I suppose the 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 crack is what kept me in school, you know. Um, like that's what I enjoyed and and it, like got suspended plenty of times. There's no doubt about that. Um, and and football and sport in general was what I say, especially in secondary school. Like if I wasn't decent at football as a young lad, I'd say I would have been out in the air. Like um, the football manager we had at the time, Joe Gibney, was was a very well respected teacher in the school and. Um, a very a very strong uh, kind of a leader in the school and he was a massive GA man and 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 thankfully he kind of kept me from getting expelled a couple of times because we I was needed on the football team in the school like and that's the way it was and um, that's why the GA will always get your back like you know um, 
Like I remember being suspended from school and 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 coming in to play a match. Like I wasn't even meant to. Oh, I wasn't even meant to be in school. But as Joe says, we won't bother telling anyone you're suspended because technically you're not allowed to represent the school if you're suspended. Like, which I wasn't going to tell me man in the middle of the field. Like, by the way, I'm suspended. If you want to get this match turned, like, ref. Yeah, yeah, ref, ref number eight is suspended. He shouldn't be playing here. So, um. So listen, yeah, like good and bad memories, but um, I suppose my character was building in school, like to the person I am now, like, you know, I was comfortable telling stories in front of people, singing the odd song and that. So in a way, like school kind of, like, you know, kind of half helped me as well, even though denting my confidence, it began my journey of entertaining people um, in the classroom, you know? Yeah, no, um, definitely, definitely met my brother there. So um, mm-hmm. as a comedian, um. I suppose I've seen a lot of comedians live, seen yourself live two, two or three times now. Um, I meant to go to, to yourself and, and Ray Goggins up, up in um, Limerick, but I, I, I wasn't able to make it. With being a comedian these days, is there, do you have to be kind of wary? Because I suppose nowadays there's, you know, people, they can be more sensitive, like, you know that side of society and stuff. What what me and you might think is gas crack. You know might affect others. As a comedian, you have to be aware of that. Yeah, do you know, Ian? It's actually a very good question. Um, like everything in life has its pros and cons. Like, and as does as does trying to be, a, a, I suppose. A, a successful comedian in the world we live in because the positive obviously is it's easy to get your name out there because of social media so you can do your sketches and if you find people who find you funny you're away in a hack but then the negative side of that is you know you're limited to what you can say on stage now live like you know unfortunately unfortunately it's just gone that way like unless you're a Frankie Boyle or Ricky Gervais you know you get away with it because you're so established but I would say any budden comedian that their 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 content or material is on is on the edge, they're not really gonna make it, like you know, because they'll just be cancelled out before they even get a chance to get to the likes of a Vicar Street. And that's just and it's kind of sad because like at the end of the day, comedy comedy is about making people laugh, and everyone has a certain uh kind of uh i suppose you know it's subjective people find stuff funny and people don't a lot of people find dark comedy funny like you know we'd often yeah. crack you know you'd often crack a joke in a changing room or, or or in the pub that's that's just about acceptable but it get a great laugh like because it's a joke like at the end of the day it's it's we're, we're having we're joking and so like, yeah but just the way it is now like i especially like with i suppose with the following i have online and that I have to keep it kind of as family orientated as I possibly can, like because I've worked so hard to get to where I am now that I don't want one silly throwaway off the cuff comment or sketch to kind of have people hammer on me. And I, I have been at the end of a trolling on, on Twitter a few years ago over a sketch I made that got taken out of context. And it, yeah, it was hard. Like, you know, I really got, I really got attacked for no reason. And, and, and yeah. as you know yourself, Twitter is a cesspit for abuse. Um, it's the worst out of all social media. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't really tweet. I don't, I, I, I don't, I don't share any videos on Twitter anymore. I just don't see the point of it. Like, because at least with, at least with, with Facebook and Instagram or YouTube, 
when you're posting your videos, these people follow you, if that makes sense. So, you know, they either like it or they don't. But on Twitter, it's all it takes is a couple of people to retweet it and then it gets into the hands of people that don't like you and then, then you're, you know, you're on fire. So it's, yeah, you just have to be careful. I'm happy enough to keep a kind of PC brigade because... I'm aware of that because Rory's stories is, listen, it's very simple comedy. I'm, I'm aware of that. It's not mind-blowing punchlines. It's just what you see is what you get. And like an, a, an eight-year-old and a 75-year-old would laugh at the same kind of joke. And, and I, I'm happy to provide that because Irish people kind of like simple, kind of, you know, don't have to think too much into it. Comedy, like, and, and I suppose, like, there's 1.1 or 2 million followers across the platform, Rory Stories. That kind of proves that that's probably one in five that enjoy it. So I don't want to be risky with it. You know what I mean? I just kind of keep keep it simple, keep keep giving them what they want, um, and just keep keeps me out of trouble. You know what I mean? Because, as you said, it's very easy nowadays to say something live or say something online that you'll regret. Take just, context, yeah, yeah it, it's not fair. It, it's not fair. But as the man says, it's the, it's the world we live in. You know, we just have to get on with it. Unfortunately, what do they say? Um, trust it takes a lifetime to build and a second to break, and it goes that goes for the same as a joke like that. You know, it takes yeah. so long to build your name up as a comedian, and it, it can take one joke to bring you back down. Yeah. Um, growing up, did you um did you look up to any comedians for? Did you, or not even a comedian? Did you look to look up to anybody coming up that helped you in your life of comedy or as a person in general? Yeah, there, well, there's two. There's two, I suppose, comedians that really inspired me when I was growing up that I just idolized, and um, was uh, Robin Williams. Um, you know, God rest him, um, yeah. and Jim Carrey. Like, were the two for me. Like I would have watched, obviously, Mrs. Doubtfire, Hook, um, obviously Dumb and Dumber, The Mask, Ace Venture, and I just found these guys hilarious. And I never thought that it was possible to follow in their footsteps and kind of like make people laugh for a living, like you know, because we live in Ireland, where like you know the extraordinary is always nearly unreachable, like you know it's. It's it's it, we were always kind of rare that you know you need to go to school you need to get a good leaving search you need to get you know go to college get yourself a degree get yourself a mortgage and a pension and like that's that's unfair because human beings are different and we're all talented in different ways but that's the way a lot of us were reared and that's why with the school system there's a lot of people that that kind of fall through the fishnet that don't get the opportunity to express themselves because. You're not allowed, like, you know, and that's so when I was growing up watching these, they definitely inspired me, like just they're, they're, they made me laugh. And like making people laugh is certainly a, a gift that 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 is is unique because laughter is what keeps us all going. Like laughter is medicine for the soul. Like so, you know, and and even like with me making certain sketches, I mightn't find them incredibly funny myself. But if it makes other people giggle and forget about life for a minute or 50 seconds, well, then. That, that that's what I gotta do, you know. That's that's even if it's just for for a, a minute, like you said, you know, if it brightens one person, one person's day, that's that's your job that you that you helped. That might be the the only bit of laughter that person might get all day. I suppose you're a you're a massive advocate for for mental health, and you see that even throughout all your social media, even through some of your sketches, like you. 
you always try to fit in that bit of mental health awareness and stuff. Um, where did that passion of mental health come from? Did it come from an experience when you were growing up or was it something that you were always kind of, that you, that you always wanted to spread awareness of mental health? Yeah, um, I suppose it's the foundation of Rory's stories because um, I, I've been in dark place myself and I I, I, I done a memoir there last year and, and I suppose I told my story about struggling in my school days and struggling with self-confidence and self-doubt and and, and struggling with a gambling addiction and, and, and I suppose hitting rock bottom and, and asking for help, which is what I'd done in, in, in early 2013. I reached out for help because I, I just, I felt useless and worthless and, and, um, and I got the help and, and I turned my life around and like, I still suffer. Like, like I, I've accepted that I, I struggle with my mental health. I have, I have good days and bad days for no reason, like a lot of people. And, and when I feel really low, like, you know, it's not a nice place to be. And that's why I suppose I, I do so much of on Rora Stories because I don't want other people to be in that same boat. Um, and even like, I suppose it's easy now to jump on kind of mental health bandwagons with the pandemic and that, et cetera. But for me, I only had like maybe 500 followers online and I'd be, I'd be already talking about well-being and about minding your head. And it's something like... I'm, I'm probably if I if I was to say pick one thing like helping others and 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 getting others I suppose to see the light is definitely my main passion over comedy. Like I think comedy is great and you know it's really good, but there's so many people out there that that can make people laugh and and I enjoy doing it as well. But for me, I suppose the, the well being and and encouraging others to kind of you know, uh, be honest with themselves and, and look for help and, 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 you know, live a better life really and fulfill the potential and not being afraid to fail and stuff like that. That's my main driving force. Like that is my, that's what really gets me going. Like, you know, like that's what really does drive me on. And I suppose that show, uh, Hell Week that I was on last year, like on RT, like I suppose, like, listen, it is what it is. It was very raw, very vulnerable. And and and, and I gave it everything I had and my emotions and my mental health was there for everyone to see. But, you know, like I was, I was just blown away by the, the amount of messages I got uh, off that show because it's nearly strange to see the six foot four, 18 stone, like, you know, tough, tough, hardy fella, like I'm being emotional, but that's, that's who I am. And and I don't want others to hide it. Like, you know, like you be the person you are. And that's who I am. I'm, I'm, I'm high and low. I'm, I'm either a hundred mile an hour or I'm, I'm zero. Like, you know what I mean? That's just the way I am. And, 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 and hell week, hell week will, 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 will get that out of you because it's so hard and, and it's so difficult. And that, that's what happened on the show. And listen, if I helped others see the light, listen, I don't mind. Uh, I don't mind doing what I got to do. Like you said, you, there's highs and lows. Like you see your, your highs and then on Hell Week and you seen when you when you are on the TV and stuff, you could see like that, you know, that it took it out of you and stuff. But I have to say, you know, well done on going on to it in the first place. And, and you know, I think that I remember Twitter actually that night that the, the night member on that your emotions kind of all hit you on the show. I remember like seeing a lot of positive on Twitter about that and stuff, and it definitely did, definitely did help people. Um, Hell week, the show in general was it? Was it something <coughs> that you was it harder than you thought it would be going in? 
Yeah, like I suppose it's impossible to prepare for something so so outrageously tough. Like, but I suppose I've always been a fan of the show. I think that there was two series prior prior to the kind of slab one and. I remember watching it with my wife and we'd be like, God, you know, I'd love to give it a, sh- a shot to just because we are, we are at the end of the day, we all want to see what we're capable of. Like, you know, and, yeah. and, and I know a lot of, a lot of people are afraid to, to really, you know, open themselves up, but I'm not like, because I hit that place in 2013, um, you know, and because of the journey with Rory stories, like I, I'm not saying I've no fear, but I, I, I'm good at managing my fear. Like it is what it is like. And I have that really good, like which I'm blessed that kind of free spirit where you know I do honestly have that listen we could all be dead tomorrow and no one cares so I, I live by that and, I'm, and it, it took me to hit rock bottom in order to release that kind of inner inner soul within me to kind of just get up and get on with it so I wasn't afraid of hell week you know and like I'd like to I want to consider myself mentally strong because of what I've been through with my own mental health so I had that kind of in there that I was willing like to go as far as I could and it was meant to be filmed uh geez November 2020 but because of COVID it was delayed and it wasn't filmed till May of the following year it was a nightmare because it was on off on off and it's it's such a thing to you it's so hard to physically and mentally prepare for but yeah, like it's funny. Like I, we actually got COVID in the house a month before. Like, and my wife was in hospital with it, and it was a tough time. I won't lie. Like she, she went off in an ambulance here one day with COVID, and all the emotions were going through my mind. And I was here with the three kids, and like, like I suppose with COVID, like you know, it's only when it does hit your door and it hits someone hard, you realise that this is serious. And she ended up being gone for eight days. Like, and it was as you can imagine, the longest eight days ever. And and then I ended up getting tr- contracting COVID because the little baby Lucy had it. And then I got it off Lucy because I always had to take the baby. And I was worried because I'm, I'm asthmatic and all this like proper, proper hardship put that way, like yeah. real life hardship was going on. And, but thankfully, Emma came home and she was on the mend and I was out of isolation. And, and then I had three weeks. I had to decide either, either pull over or just get on with it. And in fairness, like, Great Kerry man, as you know, well, Darren O'Sullivan, I've become good friends with Darren. And I rang Darren, like, kind of, because we've been in contact a lot prior to the show, like, chatting about training. And Darren said, listen, Rory, like, muscle memory's there. Like, you know, don't worry about that. You've put in the training and you get it back. So he kind of gave me a bit of confidence to, to power on. So I'd done three weeks of hard training. But I remember, I remember doing one up in the famous Hill of Tara in Mead one day with a personal trainer. And, he honestly pushed me to a place I've never been to in my life on a football field or training where I was puking and I was proper in a heap. And he was like, Rory, like when you get to this place in, in your head in Hell Week, just remember you've been here and you're able to do it. And so I went to Hell Week with savage confidence. And I'm not joking, Ian. We were, we, I wasn't even in, in, on Hell Week six or seven minutes and I was already in that headspace. I was in the hill entirely. My mind was blown. And I remember... I, I remember when we were doing all that wall sitting, running up them steps for the first time. I had a little word to Darren and I said, Darren, what is going on here? Like the two of us were just like going, how can you prepare for this? This is bananas. Like, um, but yeah, like, like uh, it goes without saying it was harder than you can ever imagine. And I think only people who've ever experienced it, both on selection in the real life army range wing, or anyone who's, who's taken part in the Hell Week show will understand how bonkers it is. It genuinely is 
horrific. Like it's just nonstop from the second you get there to the second your armband's gone. It's just you can't. You're just in world of fear. Like I think I had three hours sleep in, in three or four days. Like and I lost a stone of weight. Like it was just mentally draining enough sleep. <sighs> savage like you know and, and and yeah but like learned a lot about myself um and met some incredible people like you know darren's such a great lad and, and yeah. they all are I, I have a lot of respect for everyone that was on it, and we have a nice bond there now they're, they're, yeah, they're really was, good people all of them i was going to say my next question is the bond that you made you could see that it came through the tv screen like you were always always there for one another even you know in the hardest times and you know, one person would be struggling, the other tap them on the back, and you know, yeah, you could see that you've all become close, and it's like a, like a little community now between you. Was the um, was the the bears that you had to hold were they really heavy? Yeah, that, a lot of people. So I think about six kg or seven kg. So they were they were they weren't in two picks anyway. Put it that way, like yeah. Um, and 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 they were they were still they were like they were draining like and especially when you had to hold it out in, in front in one arm. Right, yeah. Um your your arm would be and as I did here is 13, get up there, get that bar up, and like your arm would be burning beyond belief. And a great inspiration for me was Stephanie Roach. So she was my buddy, like whoever faced you in the in the dorm was your buddy. And Stephanie was my buddy, and 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 she's so hardy, like, and she, oh, like, I was looking, at, I, I, I was looking at Stephanie, like, struggling, like, keeping up, and I was saying, well, if Stephanie can do it, like, I can do, it. and and that's the kind, as you said, that's the team bond we had, like, we all, it, it, it genuinely, like, anyone who had the opinion of it's me versus like me getting, like, I need to get through this, it's gone because if you're not a team you're going to drown together. You had to become a team. And, and, and we, we figured it out very quickly that individuals will be found out here. So we, we all looked out for each other and everyone encouraged each other. And because at the end of the day, the more soldiers that stand, the harder it is to, 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 to break them, you know? Right. No, and we no, all no, knew no. that we, we when we started to lose one by one, like you become weaker and, and you have to kind of get that bond so that the DSs can't break you. And, like they were fairly impressed with, with how we went about our business. They were thinking, you know, these old well-known Molly Coddles like won't be long, like you know, hitting the road. But they definitely got a few stubborn people anyway. <laughs> Derek or Hart again? I, I used to be falling over laughing when um when they when Derek would be struggling. You know, what's the weather like now, Derek? It was funny. See, they're very way. funny lads. Like they're very funny. Them DSs and and when they make you laugh, they punish you for laughing. Like they were whores for that. Like you they know what be, they were doing. Like you know what they were doing. Like at one stage, Jay Reedy said something, and I laughed. And he looked at me and goes, "Do you find me funny?" And I says, "No, DS." And and he says, "Well, I don't find you funny either." And he walked away. Like <laughs> <laughs> and I, I thought it was brilliant. Like I don't they didn't shout in the show, but it was very funny. They're just very witty lads. Like you know, it's ghastly. Yourself and um, DS Goggins, he teamed up after the the Ultimate Hell Week was filmed and done a bit of a kind of a mental health um, tour around for, to a few venues. Do you want to talk to me a bit about that? How did you click to say, look, we can work together and we can deliver some? Yeah, um, yeah. So I was always a big fan of Ray prior to to Hell Week. Uh, myself appearing on it, and then <clears throat> I. Um, I had, a, I, had a, I had a powerful moment with him that time in the doctor's room. Like, you know, I know he showed on the telly as well, but it really was hard to describe like how emotional that was. I was just, 
I was gone, like my head was gone, my body was gone, and he and he took the arm man or gave it to him, whatever, and he just he he said just these amazing words. And like like for me going to Hell Week, like you go to Hell Week to, to get respect off the likes of Ray and the DSs. That's what Hell Week is. Like it's yeah. earning their respect that they think, yeah, I like this guy or this fella's all in. And that's for me, like I knew it was it was gonna be seriously difficult for the likes of myself to complete Hell Week because like, you know, at the end of the day, I'm 18 stone. I'm a junior B footballer currently, like, you know, I'm not exactly Peter Stringer there, like fit as a fiddle and, you know, <laughs> savage fit or any of the rest of these athletes. And I knew that, but I also knew I I I, I had a lot of grit in me, like I always kind of have. And and for Ray to just say them few words, that's all I wanted. Like, I just wanted respect. And then I touched base with him a week or two after the show and and, and we met for coffee in, in Carton House there in Calair. And I just said to him about what, what I do with mental health awareness and I think he'd offer a lot as well. People have a lot of respect for Ray from the show. And one thing led to another. And I said, listen, would you be interested in doing a couple of talks? And he said he would. And then my manager organized it. And yeah, it was weird. Like before we knew we were sitting in front of a full house in Vicar Street. And I remember at one stage, like, like Ray was talking and I had this moment of like, oh my God. <laughs> it was probably like yourself at the time with Conor McGregor, that kind of, when he come up to you that time, that so you can relate that kind of out of body experience where it's like, holy hell, is this actually happening? Like, happening. And, yeah, and it, and it's and it's a strange feeling, and that feeling like like that imposter syndrome that affects all of us. Like you know, was hitting me hard. Going, why are you talking here? Why do you think anyone cares? But I'm good at getting over that now because I know like what I say is what I mean, and I. I've worked hard on my journey to be able to tell people like how it is or how I feel. And, and they went really well. Like we done Vicar Street and it was surreal. And then the following night we were down to Galway, went great. And then Limerick. So we'd done three shows within the space of, uh, of six days. And it was to a couple of thousand people. And it, it was just, the, the feedback was very good across the board, like, you know, um, messages, et cetera. So it was very worthwhile. And, the show was called Resilience and we had five pillars. We had uh, commitment, mindset, uh, resilience, uh, fear of failing, and then being yourself. Like they were the topics that we spoke about and we gave experience from, from my journey and experience from Ray's journey. And, and there was plenty of laughter as well. It wasn't like dry. It was, there was, we were, we were yeah. bouncing off each other, slagging each other and that. And now I think people enjoyed it. And um, I'm really, I'm really happy now we went ahead with it. Like, just goes to show like you can you can be in one place and then you can click and then a few weeks later you're doing something together. Um, oh, mad, and yeah. one thing that I one thing that I loved about the show was um like you said that day in the doctor's room when you kind of clicked and he showed you respect, even the other the other um contestants, you know, when you're handing over the armband, when the DS just put your their hand on the shoulder and say, Well done. I don't know what it was for me. It was like when they just put their hand on on their shoulder and said, well done, you could see that they were actually giving them respect. You know, it wasn't just um, it wasn't just saying it. There was actually a moment of, you know, communication there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you see, the thing is, like, like them boys, they're, 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 they're kind of robots in a way. They're, they're, they're so well trained and disciplined that. And that's why that's why it's a ninety percent failure rate in the special forces army range wing is because you'll be found out if there's any kind of a bluffer or any kind of a 
you know, whatever in you, they will they get it out of you. So these lads who have been on the army range wing, they're they're basically bulletproof, like mentally, physically, and and you can see that in them. And I've 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 got to know Ray really well, and we've become good friends. And I'm actually going down to the current next week with himself and Ross O'Donnell, another DS to do a bit of training with them. I just have a really good bond with him and and even in Galway, Jerry Reedy, the big tall DS with the bald head and the beard, um, him, him and his wife came to the show and I had a few points with Jerry after. And just they're just great people to be around, like you know, and, um, just really good guys, like not no crap with them, just straight down the middle. And my kind of people, like you know, just yeah. what you see is what you get. And so I just learned so much from them and 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 like like being in Ray's presence for for so for for so many hours between doing the tour and we went on a night away down to Sligo with EJ menswear looked after us for a close for the show and had a few pints of rain just savage conversations like you know and um yeah they're, 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 so like when you get when you get a well done off them lads they mean it like you know it's from the heart like and that that's what's great about Hell Week like the things that you'll carry with you from the show and even then after they're they're the things that stand out you know like, yeah. like even during COVID we've seen you could have all the Lamborghinis out in the front garden but it's the memories you make that's what that's what you'll bring to the grave with you you know yeah. another, another two or three more questions one was you've you've performed in a lot of um, venues now around Ireland and stuff is there any venue that you that'd be the dream to perform and that'd be the pinnacle um, I, I don't know like it's a good question like Vicker Street is 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 a really cool venue. Um, uh, I suppose when the, the night I met you in the INEC, I was chatting to a fella there, um, one of the bosses, and he brought me into the arena, like, and he was like, yeah, so this, this, and this. And I said to him, I says, how long will he give me before I sell out this place? And he was like, oh, Jesus. Uh, I said, will he give me five years? Like, and he was like, oh, well, yeah, well, you know, like that's usually the progression there. You know, you start off in the in the, in the different rooms and you work your way up. So, ah, like, and, I, and I was chatting to him. I'd done a show there um, uh, last September. It was a once-off show. And I met him again. And I said, listen, you owe me a year and a half now. Do you know, I said to me, like, I'm after losing a year and a half there with COVID. So, <laughs> um, yeah, like, like. I don't, ha- I, don't, I don't have massive dreams and visions of big venues. It's more, I, I mean, if from the heart, Dean, it's more helping others is my passion. Yeah. Like, I, I, I really mean that. And, and I know I know it's yours as well. And I, I really get most satisfaction out of that. Like, I honestly do. And, and like, even like people sending you messages about your, your, your awareness or like, it was, I had a very surreal moment. Uh, I have a lot of them, to be honest yeah. with you, like, but I had one, I had one literally only uh, Friday night there, so they were doing the 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 kind of tributes and 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 vigils for for Ashley and Murphy around the country and my own town in Ashburn done one during the day that I I I I was working so I wasn't back for the four o'clock but. Myself and uh, my daughter Ella went down to Arkle, the famous racehorse uh, statue was in our town. The, the horse was from there and it was all lit up. So myself and Ella went down and there was only the two of us there. And a man, a man came out of the local Super Value and, and he, he, he didn't look well, we'll say. He, he, looked, he looked dirty and he, he looked like a man struggling. And he was carrying two cases of, of Orchard Thieves drink. And he kept looking at me and, and I was looking back at him and... And anyway, he sat down on the step beside us and uh, he opened up a can and, and he hit a sup. And I looked off and said, how are you? He goes, 
He says, how are you, Rory? He says, oh, come on, how are things goes? Listen, uh, I appreciate all you do for mental health. Cool. And he just looked, yeah, he just, yeah, honest to God, handed me hard truth story. And he looked away and I says, oh my, oh, wow, like, you know, and, and, and I took my, which I do all the time. I, I, I went over to him and I said, what's your name? And he said, his name was Garrett. I says, Garrett, listen, it was great to meet you. And uh, you'll mind yourself now, won't you? He says, oh, I will, Rory, appreciate that. And, and off I went, like, you know, and like, he was a man that looked down and out, but to think that my message, like, somehow hit him, like, you know, and, yeah. and, 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 and like, honestly, like, like for me, a hundred people could come up to you and say, I think you're very funny. I love your videos. But that, that one person, you know, does, does way for, and yeah, like, and it's like yourself, like, like, like the whole country know you're an inspiration and, and for what you talk and what you say, um, you know, helps a lot of people and that, and that's your journey now. You've accepted yeah. that, you know, the accident I had is, has been so tough on me and, but you, 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 you face it like a warrior that you're so, you're, you're, you're a born warrior in your heart and soul. And that's why you now are inspiring people by driving on and doing what you Brave do. And, yeah, and that's the satisfaction that you get knowing yeah. that me being the person I am today, the card I was dealt is what helps other people. And that that's the same with me. Like, you know, when I had suicidal thoughts back in 2013, like if I had a went ahead with it, like not only was I gone from my family and friends, but little did I know the impact I, I could have had on so many other people yeah. in the country with their well wellness and mental health. And that's what is my biggest goal. So like when you're mentioning like about big venues and that, it, I, I don't dream of that. I dream of people coming up to me saying, Rory, I read your book or I seen your post and it inspired me to do this. And I just want to say, thanks. That, 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 that's the most kind of reward I get out on my journey anyway. So, yeah. um, so yeah, so listen, the venues will have to wait for now, but, uh, no, that's, that's it. That what what happened there last night? You that you just said that must have hit away different. Like that's the same as me. If I get a message off somebody, I got one there recently off someone in America, and they said they were struggling, and they came across my story off McGregor's page, and because obviously he'd have a lot of American followers, and um, it was when he kind of said it to me. I was it was actually a day that I was having a tough enough day. I just wasn't, I just wasn't myself, and I got that message. And like you with that man, my message, me falling off my bike, hitting the log is helping someone across the world. It hits you different. So I know what you mean when you say that the venues can wait. It's about the people and you can really see that off of you as well, that that's the truth. One more thing is, um, do you have any advice that you could give to an up and coming person that is looking to get into comedy? Yeah, um, I suppose the number one uh is 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 to be true to yourself like and like when i ask it's funny like when you go into a school nowadays like you know back when i was young that it's like what do you want to be or i want to be a footballer or i want to be a teacher or i want to be a builder or i want to be whatever but now it's like i want to be a youtuber like you know yeah. it's funny like yeah yeah and they all say like you know uh how much money do you make off YouTube or how to make money on YouTube? And, and I stopped them there and I say, listen, listen, like you have to enjoy what you're doing before you think of money. Like, you know, because if you think of money, you'll realize how hard it is to make on the likes of social media and you'll just quit. Where if you follow your heart and do what you like to do, yeah, you mightn't have a million people following you straight away. But if you, if you enjoy what you do, just keep doing it. Like, um, and if you end up making a career out of a happy, happy days, but it's about waking up each day with a purpose, like, you know, and waking up each day with, with something happy. like that. Yeah, that makes you happy. And like, 
God only knows, like, you know, I, I, I know myself when I'm going through the dark days that is all you want to do is be happy. Like, you know, you don't care about, about money or about fame or any crap like that. It's all about being happy. And that's why I tell young people is, you know, don't get caught up in the crazy world that we live in with, with everyone trying to compete against. So just be happy, like, you know, and, and being happy can be difficult. It's funny, like, because if you still struggle with your own negativity in your head, like, it's hard to be happy. So if you do something that, helps fill that void do it like um so that's what i'd be saying to people is is don't get into it thinking of money or thinking of this just get into because that with rory stories i just started making them sketches and i never thought of of like books or i never thought of vicar streets around i just was enjoying the moment and 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 and, and keeping one foot in front of the other and then all of a sudden you get a bit of self-belief and then you really start to figure out well I'm good at this and, and the gut feeling is is massive. Like, you know, the brain, the human brain will always tell us no. Jesus, yeah. no, get back into that bed, put on Netflix. And, and yeah, yeah. It's the voice in the head telling you you can't do that. And like the gut feeling is like the line in, in the in in the in the body saying, Row, no, I'm, yeah. I'm able to do this. And and you need to let the line outpower the mind every now and again, or more than often. And that's when I feel you'll start to see, well, I am good at this and I enjoy doing this. And then then you're away in a hot den, you know. You guys suppose you can make you can make money in whatever you enjoy doing. Like I wake up every day wanting to help people, like you wake up every day doing what you love, you know, you can, you can make money off doing what you love. You don't have to go for what other people are making money off of. I, I appreciate what you, what you said there for, for people looking to get into comedy and stuff. Um, Rory, you're a top man and I really appreciate you coming on, on, um, on for a chat. And I know that it'll, it'll help people out there. And so yeah, I, I appreciate you coming on and for all you do for mental health and everything. It's um, it, it doesn't go unnoticed. Yeah, no, I appreciate that, and uh, like, 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 right back at you, like you know, like you inspire more people, and you'll ever know as well. So you just keep being you, and I know, I'm sure, you you have the dark days where the motivation is low, like we all do. But just you know, even if you had to go back and read a couple of them DMs, you know, when you're feeling low, of people telling you. You know that hopefully that'll get you get you moving again and, and get you doing what you do because like everyone everyone was put here for a gift and unfortunately you had the accident but now you know look at the amount of people you're helping that you never would have yeah. might have been able to if you didn't have it so exactly there's always a, there's always a positive and a negative but um yeah listen great to chat as always I uh, wish you the best of luck and um love to see Kerry win all Ireland I won't lie um. You know, I'd love to say Mead win the All Ireland, but uh, I don't think it's 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 a little bit out of reach for now. We're getting there, but Kerry ha- certainly have 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 the right uh, the right caliber and Jack O'Connor there now again. Like surely they'll uh, they go close. Um, Please, anyone not. but Dublin is not right. <laughs> That's it, Rory. That's now you said it. Yeah, Come here, yeah. thanks a million, Rory. No bother, Tony. Mind yourself. All the best. Unfortunately, that's all we have time for tonight. A massive thank you to all that tuned in and for the continuous support you are giving me on the show. And to Rory himself for such an open and honest interview. And lastly, to our show sponsors MDO Shays and Killarney. Brian Priestley is up next with That's Jazz. I will be back next Wednesday night at my usual time from 8 to 9pm. Until then, stay safe and mind yourself. You're listening to Stand Out with Ian O'Connell. Wednesday evenings from 8pm here on Radio Kerry.